After a crazy race weekend in Russia last time out, Formula One is heading to Istanbul Park where the chance of even more rain could see another unpredictable event where both our championship contenders will need to be at their best. Welcome to the F1 Grid Top podcast. Today we'll be previewing the 2021 Turkish Grand Prix. My name is Ruby Price and joining me we have sports journalist Louis Edwards. Hello. Hello, Tom Downey from the Everything F1 podcast. Hello. Hello, and F1 expert Jack Watson. Hiya. Hiya, good to have you back, Jack. Uh, firstly, <laughs> if you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you could take five to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll shout out all of you who do to say thanks. And also, the first Grid Talk podcast store competition winners have been drawn. The winners receiving Grid Talk t-shirts are G Shantu and Jesse Lund, and the winner of the Grid Talk mug is Errol Samuel. Uh, please email us at media at f1chronicle.com so we can ship your prize. Every month, we're giving away even more Grid Talk merchandise. Uh, for example, competition one week each month to be in the running uh, to win a Grid Talk champion t-shirt. All you need to do is give us a five-star review on iTunes or leave a comment on the YouTube replay with your favorite moment from the race. Uh, the second competition we've got running is uh, to be in the running to win a Grid Talk mug. All you need is to hit that subscribe button on YouTube. Winners of both competitions for the month of October will be announced during the Mexico Grand Preview. Ah, there we go. So, Louis, uh, the big news in F1 this week was the addition of the Qatar Grand Prix to the 2021 calendar with the announcement of a 10-year deal starting in 2023. Uh, the race this season will take place at the Los Ailes International Circuit, known for hosting the MotoGP. What, do you have any thoughts on this? Like, It's been a, a bit of a mixed reaction to the event. Yeah, um, as someone um, who is a fan of MotoGP, I'm I'm quite familiar with the track. It was um, it's not one that is going to be um, completely brand new to me, um, but yeah, I think it just I think in the in the scope of Formula One, um, it is it is you know further showing the sort of the route that Formula One are going down with. Um, where they're just going where the money is rather than where the the interest is because you know how many times have we heard that you know the Italian Grand Prix or the Brazilian Grand Prix you know maybe in jeopardy but you know we go um flying out to you know Saudi Arabia or we go flying out to Qatar just um because there's money there you know um how many times you know we could have gone to Vietnam, but I think um, we were very fortunate that we didn't because that track was terrible. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a good look, you know, especially with F1s. You know, we race as one um, motto and something that they push, you know, and they've tried to be outward at the start of every Grand Prix. But you know, is that how is that going to look when they do this? You know, we race as one message in Saudi Arabia later on this season or Qatar later on this season. It's going to look weird. It's going to be strange. Um, I'm surprised they'll be allowed to do it, but I'm, I'm sure everyone will, will make sure it does happen, but it's, it's still not a good look. Yeah, it does sort of detract from the meaning of the whole We Race As One campaign when, you know, you are then deciding to race in a country that has, you know, jailed journalists for doing journalism or, you know, in, for example, Qatar, where it's illegal for um, men to be gay, etc. So 
I did a bit of journalism earlier this week and contacted uh, F1 Media for a statement on this because obviously, you know, it does sort of clash with their values and their statement is, uh, for decades, Formula One has worked hard to be a positive force everywhere it races, including economic, social and cultural benefits. Sports like Formula One are uniquely positioned to cross borders and cultures to bring countries and communities together to share the passion and excitement of incredible competition and achievement. We take our responsibilities on rights very seriously and set high ethical standards for counterparties and those in our supply chain, which are enshrined in contracts and we pay close attention to their adherence. Uh, Tom, I'm just going to go to you like, for further comments on this. Like, do you, How do you feel about that statement? Do you think it you know, covers all the bases? Um, I think it's a fantastic exercise in box ticking by HR and, and the F1 sort of like publicity departments. Um, that is such a cut and shut response. Uh, I've seen, yeah, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen more emotion from Kimi writing Um, You know, it's, 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 there's, there's nothing like specific to what you said there, Ruby. You know, you raised some really, really valid concerns um, about you know we race as one, which is obviously the mantra that that one has gone with over the last sort of two years. Um, and it does just it does seem to make a mockery of what we were what the slogan we race as one is originally standing for. Um I have actually noticed this year that certainly last year the the slogan, I'm not gonna say it again because I'm gonna get in a tongue twist, but um last year it was very sort of like about um like gender equality and 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 that that sort of wider topic without going too much into it. Whereas this year, if I don't know if you've noticed, but but in the sort of like pre-race sort of like snippet or like mini film, if you like, they're talking about sustainability and 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 sort of like environmental factors and all the rest of it. And they're not just talking about gender or race or sort of like one specific thing. I I don't want to get too much into it because we'll be here all day otherwise. But um it, it seems like everyone almost sort of like washing their hands with it. And and this is why and this 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 is why they're 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 sort of they can also get away with it because as F one likes to say we are now global citizens of the world and it's um yeah it's just it it just seems a bit backwards you know like you said a country where people can get thrown in prison for being gay what in what world is that okay um, and to host a global sporting event there, which is the pinnacle of single-seater, arguably the pinnacle of single-seater motor racing, when F1 has been on such a drive over the last sort of two years, no pun intended, to sort of like, to, to sort of like clean up its image or or sort of like get away from like the sort of late seventies image of of you know like, you know the sort of like race of boys who are you know, womanizing all the rest of it, it just seems completely backwards to me. Yeah, there is that. Uh, should we look at this race weekend though, Jack? Um, obviously, there is a chance of rain and that certainly spiced up last year's Turkish Grand Prix where Lewis Hamilton won his seventh world championship. Um, there is, obviously, as I say, rain forecast and there was the resurfaced um, track surface, I think it was last year, that also led to such sleepy conditions. Do you think having, you know, there been another year since then that, we could see a similar scenario or do you think it was just more of the perfect storm last year? 
Well, certainly uh, the organ race organisers have taken steps to prevent it. Um, they have recently, I think it's called Water Blasted the track. So the issue they had last year was where the track had been resurfaced so soon to the uh, actual race taking place, the tarmac, when it's freshly laid down, seeps oils out onto the track surface. When uh, that's added with water, obviously it doesn't mix and it's a, it is, like you say, a perfect storm to eliminate any traction the tyres can get. Um, they've since essentially jet-washed the track but to a much more aggressive degree to rough it up, essentially. Um, so you've now got micro pockets that will sort of allow any surface water to sink down and it should help. It sort of acts like a tyres, the block of a tyre in reverse. So the tyres now more likely got, it's got peaks essentially to dig into and get the rubber to bite into. So it should negate that ice rink <laughs> that we had last year. Um, rain's always going to spice up an event. Um, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit disappointed. I would have liked to see Turkey run in the dry in full anger because we haven't seen that yet with these big cars now. But, I mean, it should still provide a very, very entertaining race. I mean, wet or dry, Turkey was was always a, a good show. So um, I like to see that they've taken these steps because... Yeah, while it got us talking, it wasn't a proper Grand Prix. Like the fact that you have to, it was impressive seeing them deal with it, like let your inters wear down to slicks, and that would turn out to be like that super soft compound that the inter essentially is underneath was what they needed to keep temps up. But yeah, um, as a one off talking point, good, but you wouldn't want it to continue. So it's nice to see measures being taken. Yeah, absolutely. Although, you know, seeing Lance Stroll put it on pole. You know, that's the kind of things that, you know, Turkey was remembered for and, you know, cars spinning more than Beyblades. But looking at the actual cars then and drivers for uh, this weekend, Louis, uh, Lewis Hamilton finally got that 100th victory last time out. And, you know, with him only having a two-point lead to his, you know, main rival, Max Verstappen, he'll want to be, you know, front and centre in Turkey and taking win number 101. Yeah, it's, it's so close now. Um, you know, I think Lewis would have been much, yeah, he would have been really happy that he won the race. But the fact that, that Max came from the back of the grid to finish second, it just it just keeps his championship so close. And it just keeps it so, um, so much in, uh, more interesting. Um, and yeah, this is a race track where, of course, Lewis did very well uh, last year. But you mustn't forget that the Red Bulls were. With a with a team to really should have what a put it on pole to begin with and b then also then should have won the race um, before having an absolute horror story and I think Lewis and Mercedes in general will be hoping for more of the same from Red Bull they're, they're going to need some sort of horror story because I would I would say that this track would probably f- um, favour the Red Bull just a little bit more than that Mercedes but with Lewis Hamilton nothing is concrete nothing is an absolute because even when Red Bull may look their strongest, Hamilton can always uh, play a massive factor. And you know, getting a hundred wins is is it's, it's it's more than impressive. It's I don't think words can really describe just how how much of an achievement that is, especially in Formula One. Uh, and yeah, <laughs> no, to try and break that and go one on one, it's just every race from now is just it's more history making than when he overtook Michael Schumacher, if anything. Yeah, absolutely. And Tom, uh, Valtteri Bottas, you know, we were talking about him being like a Sochi specialist last time out, but 
you know, it you wouldn't have thought that from watching his race, even though he managed to finish fifth last time. Um, you know, a Mercedes just gonna chuck in another engine at the back of his car be- between qualifying and the race, or you know, what are you expecting from him this weekend? Um, well, this weekend, I hope when he doesn't have a repeat of last weekend when he spun nine times in one race. Um, as Jack mentioned, obviously, I don't think the, the track surface particularly helped last year. Um, Bottas, God, I mean, he's just he's just 100% just doing the team game or doing his own thing now because he's just got, we've got, what, seven races left of the season and then he's off to Alfa Romeo on a multi-year deal. So I I, I think he's sort of just like, he's just lapping at the points, you know, might get the odd podium here or there. I don't think we're going to see him get a win this year. I think if he's in good contention to get a win and there's even a chance of a Hamilton win, they will flip him around 100% because of how close the championship is. Um, Bottas, he'll, he'll probably top FP1 on Friday, come second FP2 on Friday, FP3, he'll be about fifth. Qualifying, he'll be seventh. Uh, the race, he'll drop to 11th and come back to finish ninth. Um, that's probably how his weekend's going to go and that's how the rest of his year is probably going to go, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I, I mean, last, if we've just touched on from last weekend briefly. He was, uh, he lucked into that position, really, because Mercedes just said, you're coming in for, for tyres. They'd probably use it as a, as a test run for Hamilton. Um, and then he, and then he should have just—he just almost lucked into fifth. Really, he's Bottas is just doing his own thing. He's just chilling, taking the paycheck. Um, he's got a multi-year deal sorted, so you know, just he's—he's probably doing what anybody else would do in that position. To be honest, yeah, it certainly didn't look as though he was defending Lewis's race uh, last time out in Russia when Max Verstappen just coasted up the inside of him. But <laughs> well. Yeah. He's uh, yeah, he probably didn't want to scratch his company car, so absolutely not. Jack, uh, Max Verstappen currently two points behind his title rival, and one of the rare occasions this season where he has actually been behind in the championship. Um, as Louis mentioned, you know, the Red Bulls were looking very strong last year in Turkey and arguably should have put it on pole and won the race. And you know, they'll be looking to right the wrongs of last year, won't they, this weekend? Absolutely, yeah. Um, they're going to be fighting too for now to get Max back ahead, as you say, um, Louis. You'd expect them to go well. Like we don't, we shouldn't have that unforeseen scenario we did last year to mess with it. So yeah, I reckon Max should be on it. Um, probably be my pick for it um, for for it to come race day. But um, yeah, they they now will know. Like we've so little left to go in this season it's every every point's going to count like they'll be counting fastest lap points that go missing at this point so um at this juncture so yeah um they're gonna have to be all over it and gonna have to as uh tom alluded to before mercedes are gonna ring everything they can out of bottas constructors wise um so yeah they're gonna really need to sort of Crank, crank the pressure onto Perez a bit, um, but I mean, I think I speak for most of us here when we when I'd say that we probably back Perez further than we back Bottas currently. So yeah, you get the feeling they should be in a fairly good position this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Perez has you know been one of the drivers that 
they've sort of been underperforming lately, but um, they do have him confirmed for next season. So there is at least that chopping block away from his head, which, you know, other previous Red Bull second drivers haven't had the luxury of. But uh, Louis, uh, McLaren, uh, absolutely heartbreaking for Lando Norris last time out. Um, but, you know, it, it's one of those learning experiences that they've mentioned, you know, that are going to make them stronger. And, you know, it just sort of defied their two consecutive wins that they absolutely should have had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is still too soon. Um, it's amazing how McLaren can put Lando onto the slicks at the perfect time in qualifying, but then not take him off the slicks at the perfect time of the race. Um, but, you know, if it's wet again, you know, we've seen what the the McLaren's pace is is, is in the wet and it is very competitive. That that McLaren is a very competitive car in the wet, um, also in the dry as well, but um, more so in the wet because, of course, the cars become a little bit more equal and it's more down to, um, to driver talent. And if it is going to rain again, I would definitely have Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo up there once again, challenging, um, maybe not for pole, but um, definitely up there for another podium. And I think it would do wonders for Lando if he was able to to get on the podium this weekend. You know, it's something, you know, after having a win sort of snatched so cruelly away from him to get onto the podium or even just get like a top five, I think would would really sort of bring back his um his confidence. And, you know, I think... It's races like these, especially for young drivers, that really define them. You know, we've seen how George Russell came from almost winning Bahrain and he's coming to the season and he's been stellar and he's been on the podium. Um, and for Lando, this is sort of the the hardest sort of um, sort of moment in his sort of short F1 career so far. And it's all about how he comes back from this. And I suspect he'll do well. Um, he looks quite on it uh um last year it was it was a difficult race for all drivers but he he looked pretty solid and i expect that he should do pretty well yeah absolutely tom uh just also touching on daniel ricardo um you know louis mentioned that the mclarens if it does start to rain could be you know quite a key factor and daniel ricardo giving mclaren their first win since uh 2012 obviously he'll be full of confidence and you know, even finishing fourth last year in Russia, in last year, last week in Russia. Um, yeah, uh, you know, he's, would you put him up for a good weekend this weekend? Uh, yeah, uh, before the summer break, I'd have said no, but since we come back, um, and obviously, you know, with the with the race, non-race in Belgium, Danny Rick was still in a very good position. And then, you know, obviously Monza, we all know what happened. Um if if there's you know if, if you had to like pick a handful of drivers who could really take advantage of a sort of like skew if race so to speak you'd probably put Danny Rick in that group if he's performing um, and as uh, as as Jack said that McLaren is or might be Louis sorry that McLaren is a very very good car this year um, it is competitive and it and it is the top of the midfield sometimes nipping at the heels of Mercedes, you know, we, we saw it in Russia, we saw just how quick it was down the straights that Hamilton couldn't really catch Norris then. Um, obviously, Turkey doesn't have as big a straight as um, as Russia, but 
Danny Rick, you know, if if he gets the weekend right, if he nails quality, could be on for a very, very good result this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. So Jack, moving on to Ferrari, P4 in the championship, a lot doing a lot better than they were, you know, this time last season. And it was Turkey where they actually did manage to show up on the podium um, with a great drive from Charles Leclerc, who sadly just missed out at the very last second. But Sebastian Vettel even got, you know, his, I think it's his last Ferrari podium. Um, You know, how do you rate Ferrari's chances, especially on the back of last weekend where, you know, Carlos Sainz was on the podium? Yeah, I think you might be right that with that um that was that. Um that was that was pretty heartbreaking for Charles, but to business. Um if we're taking last race as a sort of guidance point, because we can't really use last season too much, the cars might be the same, but I don't think the track's good uh, got any reference points. Um you got you've got to think that they'll be pretty they'll be feeling pretty good. Science was on fire. At Russia, um, and I don't really expect that to change um, anytime soon. It's nothing. I don't think they're bringing anything car-wise that should change that. And while Turkey is a lot more flowing, the characteristics that that we should sort of bring that same issue of and struggling to follow each other. It's just more aerodynamically rather than in terms of the stop-start nature of Russia naturally extending a track out you should still have that same issue of cars not being amazingly easy to follow. Of course, we like wet weather because that helps mitigate it. Um, but yeah, um, I see no reason as to why that form shouldn't continue. Uh, I'd expect pretty good things from Ferrari, whether it'll be science or Charles, uh, it's I wouldn't want to put my money on that one because uh, they are very evenly matched. We know how good Charles um, is. The science has been getting better. Russia was only one uh, one marker for that. So, yeah, um, they sh- they're going to need to if they want to catch McLaren. They've been more consistent than McLaren in past races. Um, but we've had the highs of the win, but then we've had the lows of uh, like seventh or eighth, a couple of races before, and I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, they're going to have to rely on that consistency to ultimately catch the papaya cars. Yeah, it did uh, make me laugh when uh, Carlos, his race engineer, said, we're aiming for a P5 finish. And at the time, I think he was still in P2. So it was like, where are you expecting us to lose this pace from? But, you know, he managed to hold on for a P3. So can't complain, Carlos, can't complain. Louis, uh, the Alpines in P5, um, quite some distance behind, you know, those ahead of them. Um, Comfortably, I would say, ahead of the Alpha Tower at least. But... You know, last weekend we saw Alonso go quicker off the track than on the track um, and Ocon failing to score. But, you know, the less said about the last couple of laps in Russia for some teams, the better. Um, how do you fancy their chances in uh, Russia? Not Russia. Why do I keep saying Russia? In uh, Turkey this weekend. Uh, I don't know. You never you never really know what to expect from Alpine when you turn up to a race. They They are very up and down. You know, you never know what, what Ocon's going to do. Ocon's been very up and down this season. If anything, the only sort of like bed of consistency really has been Fernando Alonso being able to sort of get those sort of lower end points positions. And that's what I'd really expect um, Alpine to be. I think Mercedes, Red Bull, 
they're kind of they're in a class of their own. Then you have the McLaren and the Ferraris; they're in a class of their own. And, you know that that's eight cars. If all eight cars are in the top ten, that only leaves two point um, <laughs> positions for the rest of the field to really, you know, take and. Yeah, Alpine are in very strong competition. Like they may be ahead of Alpha Tauri um in terms of points in the constructors championship, but I would I would argue that a lot of races this season we've seen that Alpha Tauri fast uh, be faster than uh the Alpine and the Alpha Tauris have had, you know, horrid sort of runs of luck uh, at times this season, which have probably favoured Alpine. But yeah, I would like I'm sort of going back to my original point of I don't know where to put Alpine. They are they're very up and down. Um I think if the rain will maybe play a factor, it might help them. Um and I'm sure Fernando will I don't know, cut turn one or something off the start. You know, he is amazing at starts, but um he usually does it on the track rather than off the track. And <laughs> it's hard going from someone who really likes Fernando Alonso, but um yeah. It, I can only hope that he does well. And of course, I can only hope that um, Alpine do well. But uh, I think it's going to be very difficult. Yeah. Just sticking on Alonso, Tom, your other Tom counterpart, you know, from Tom Tom, um, said that, you know, uh, Alonso's antics made him basically just the same as Luck Degrassi, um, you know, because <laughs> it was a dirty cheating move. Um, do you have anything else on this? Or um, would you agree? What, as, what with, with Alonso um, taking a shortcut through turn one? As in, like, you know, was it really the right thing to be doing? Uh, it's not the right thing to do morally, but we all know F1 is lenient on turn one or lap one, especially turn one. Well, I know it's turn two in Russia, but it's turn one, let's be fair, in Russia because of obviously the the nature of the start of a race and how a bunch of cars can get if something happens or the rest of it, so F one for as long as I can remember is king at finding loopholes. And if a team or a driver can find something that's a grey area that's not specifically outlawed, they will do it. And this is a classic case of that. I know, well, I understand why people get annoyed by it because it's not right. But if you, but if I was Alonso, which I am not, so I will never be because I can't grow a fabulous beard, um, I would 100% done that. Why not? You might get told to give the place back, um, but it's turn one, it's very unlikely. It's it's like evil genius. I bet when Alonso was sitting that, he was sitting in his RP motion, like twiddling a moustache or something when he came up with it. Because I, because yeah, it, it's it's not really right to do. It's a grey area, and F one has always had rules in the grey like that. And I wouldn't be surprised if we get a directive ahead of Turkey about this. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. So, Jack, let's uh, look at the Alpha Towers then. Uh, Louis obviously touched on them already, like being you know less fortunate, let's say, than the Alpines, but. You know, Pierre Gasly's been nothing but consistent, really, this season. Um, and Sonoda has been also consistent, but in the complete opposite side of the grid. Um, how do you rate their chances this weekend? Um, unfortunately, I think there's kind of a reason why they're down there. I think they've sort of lost a little bit with this mild revision they went to this year. They 
didn't manage to, it didn't quite work for him. And whilst that, that blistering pace that we've seen in practice, it's never, ever really come back to them. Um, so yeah, I don't really expect miracles from them. I think it'll very much be, as has been alluded to, the status, status quo should will probably remain. Gasly is almost a guarantee for points. Um, he does go well in poor weather. Um, and he is very good at maximising a car in difficult conditions. So you'd, you'd sort of favour him in that sort of regard. So in order, this it's very obvious it's been a growing year for him. And yeah, we did, you'd have imagined that. I think it's mainly shocking us more than anything that he hasn't been treated with the usual prejudice that most Red Bull juniors are treated with, um, which is why I think a lot of us give him a bit of a hard time because it's just habits like you'd expect him to be replaced by now. Um, so at least he hasn't been. Uh, so yeah, I probably, yeah, Q1 exit maybe for Sunoda, Gasly. Q2 maybe, but he, I reckon racecraft-wise, he'll probably bring his way back into the points. Um, but yeah, I don't really see him pulling a miracle out um, this weekend. There's no real reason to, to suspect that anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, certainly something to think about that, you know, they could be anywhere, but most likely they'll be, you know, either mid top 10 or low top uh more low race grid. Uh, Louis, uh, the Aston Martins, you know, both had a uh, did not score last week, last time out, despite, you know, a P4 start for one driver. And I think it was a P4 start. No, got into P4 at the start. Um, yeah. So, you know, Vettel, as I mentioned, obviously last time here got a podium, but and Stroll was on pole last time out. But, you know, as we said, we can sort of disregard those because of track conditions. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Aston Martin will be sending a firm message to both their drivers this year. Well, not this year, this weekend going, can we not hit each other? That would be, um, that, I think that would be a, a, an improvement on, on Russia. Um, I think you'll find they'll send the message to Vettel saying, don't hit my son. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really stopped me with difficult teams because Aston Martin are just the kings of fluctuating <laughs> you know, positions. They have been absolutely everywhere. But, um, I mean, the only thing I've really got to go on is, you know, the fact that in the wet, they don't they don't look too bad. They did look pretty good. Vettel was incredibly um, unlucky not to get a better starting position, at least um, for his... Um, for his Aston Martin last weekend. Um, and Lance Stroll did very well and he held up very well. And I think just the chaos that ensued at the end of the race sort of meant that he didn't score any points because I think he was fully deserving of points given, you know, his start and um, where, you know, you know where, the, where he was going in the race. This weekend, if it is wet, they do have a chance, uh, like any team do. They have a chance at some points, but if it's you know dry or doesn't rain or anything, I think they could be in serious trouble. I don't can't see them really getting into the top ten, especially in qualifying. I would see them more, you know, sort of battling to get out of Q one and then just sort of being very much sort of in their place in 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 Q two. I think it's going to be quite a difficult race, and honestly, my expectations aren't very high for um for Aston Martin. 
Yeah, that's certainly a way of considering it. Tom, uh, Williams got another point scoring uh, race last time out, uh, but they also did get a DNF. But, you know, where do you expect, you know, do you expect this to continue? It's a surprising run, but, you know, do you expect it to continue or do you expect it to, you know, maybe bring them a little bit back down to reality in Turkey? Uh, I do wonder if they'll sort of, I think come back down to reality is almost a bit sort of, I think it's almost a bit unfair to Williams because they have justifiably worked their way out to be not the worst team on the grid. You know, that accolade goes to Haas. And I would still argue that Williams are better than Alfa Alfa Romeo, um, both in terms of, I'd say, driver lineup and car. Um, This weekend, I don't, don't, you know, there's only so much we can take from Turkey from last year. Um, And obviously... Last year was you know, it was hammering down with rain and you know, the issues with the with the track resurfacing all the rest of it. Yeah, um, Russell might sort of sneak in, into Q three. He's done it enough times now this year, um, and the Williams might get a point. Um, but if if it's a relatively clean race, then maybe not. But I, I think the sort of rule of thumb for the rest of this year is if it's a crazy race, um, you know whether it's a new race winner or if it's raining in the last few laps or if there's no race at all, we can assume that Williams will get a point because it will be something which is not spoken about because there'll be so many other things overshadowing it. Yeah, that is a very good point. You know, they have been the kings of like capitalising on, you know, other people's poor circumstances this season. And, you know, that is certainly one of the strengths that Williams have had for several years, just... You know, they haven't really had the car to deal with it until very recently. Um, yeah, uh, Louis, I'm just going to go to you whilst uh, we, you know, wait for Jack. Um, the Alfa Romeos finally got another point scoring position last time out um, with Kimi Raikkonen after being away for two race weekends. I don't think it's going to be enough for them to, you know, start challenging Williams for P8 in the Constructors' Championship, but... They uh, could certainly, you know, if they do get some more points, just give themselves that daylight between, you know, the unpopular team that, you know, will be hoping to not finish on zero. Uh, I mean, I'd say the gap already it would be like the distance between <laughs> Earth and the Sun, especially for Haas to make up that, uh, <laughs> just to make up, what is it, four, five points. <laughs> Seven points. Seven points. Uh, you know, it <laughs> that is that is like a marathon. Um, but I think for uh, Alfa Romeo, I think you know, I completely agree with Tom. I would say that the Alfa Romeo, in terms of car and driver, is probably below the Williams at this point. Um, they're a team that you know, kind of do well on sort of making up the sort of on the misfortunes of other cars, and if it is wet. As we've said, as sort of as I've said like many times, it does make things a little bit more unpredictable. It means that um, they could be in with a real chance of getting some points, but the likelihood of that in a dry race, I think, is slim to nothing. Um, we've sort of already discussed that this, you know, track is not the easiest to follow. There's a lot of long corners, and it's just it's just wreaks havoc on on the aerodynamics to really follow cars. Um, well, and 
I just I just really can't see there being sort of much opportunity, even if you know, Alfa Romeo don't qualify well, which I don't think they will. Uh, there's not really going to be much opportunity for them to to make up any positions unless there is something thrown um, into the into the race that you know makes things a little less predictable. And rain is probably going to be the only thing that that is going to uh, do anything. Yeah, absolutely. Jack, uh, I'm going to come to you to discuss the last team on the grid, Haas. Um, you know, I think one of the advantages that they've got is that we don't expect anything from them, you know, when it goes into a race weekend because of how, you know, awful to use, a, you know, the only really applicable word um, to describe that car. So, you know, would you expect to see something shocking from them this weekend other than just their race performance or, um, you know, is it going to be, you know, the story continues of just driving around at the back and hoping not to get lapped more than twice? Well, no, you can't expect anything else, really. It's just the nature of things um, with a team that's been that hamstrung uh, over this year. Um, so all they can do for any hope of a good result is just focus on reliability. There is a reason they keep going around and doing slaps at the back, because if enough people fall out, they get... Well, yeah, it would be a startling race if 10 cars fall out, but um, yeah, that's how you get points. It's still worth keep going. Um, but as for what you expect from them, well, you expect them to be last, of, of the last on the last running finishes anyway. Um, although by the same token, with no money and no real um, development budget, they're willing to, they'll, they'll be more likely to just call something early. If there's a car fault, an engine fault, say, um, they're willing to cut it early just to save save it, save as much as they can um, to get through on minimal uh, resources use. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a long time since we've seen a Formula One team in this kind of a state, really. You have to go back to the 90s or so. It may be HRT, um, actually, to be fair. But, um, yeah, that might be a bit cool to have, maybe. But anyway, like... Yeah, like to to see an F one team run on this at this sort of a, a hamstrung level is it's very unusual. Um, but I mean, yeah, in expectation wise for us and for them, make it to the end of the season. That's that's it. That's all you can hope for. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if they might, you know, just go for the new Ferrari engine that obviously Ferrari have brought to the season. Um, you know, they're already at the back of the grid, so a grid penalty is not going to make much difference, but. You know, it, it would yeah. have to be quite the power upgrade in order to give them a chance of anything. I mean, ironically, in a car like this, if Ferrari want to keep it out of the way, it's a testing opportunity because they're they're, all they're going to do, like the aerodynamic balance is bad enough and like the, the fact that it is not upgraded from last year. Also, if you ever wondered why cars are constantly changed, this is the reason that's last year's car and it's already two seconds a lap off the pace as is the world of Formula 1 they could get like just say bung it in it's not going to make a difference to them apart from the inter-team battle um, and Ferrari get free data in just how the engine's working and whatever changes they've made um, are, are working with the package as a whole um, so yeah I mean they might they might but I mean it, it won't make a difference <laughs> unfortunately 
Yeah, a very good counterpoint there. So let's have a look at some predictions for this weekend. So first of all, I need a race winner. So Louis, what are you expecting? I am going to go with Max Verstappen. Race Max winner. Verstappen. One of the two options. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Tom? Uh, either Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen. You can't give me two options. <laughs> it, everybody gets a choice. No, um, so I, I honestly don't know. I, m- momentum with Hamilton. Um, he did so well last year and he won last weekend. Hamilton for uh, Tom. Jack, are you going to go on Team Louis or Team Tom? Neither, actually. I'm going to give you two in one and give you my bold prediction while I'm at it. And I'm going to say Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez for the win and does your bold prediction as well. Wow. Uh, I'm going to actually go Team Tom with uh, agreeing with Lewis. I think momentum has obviously played a big part in this season. And, you know, Lewis does very much enjoy the circuit, which tends to help. You know, he shows up and he's just on it, really. I was really surprised that you chose uh, Lewis Hamilton Ruby. You know, what was, a shock! Uh, <laughs> I was I was so shocked. I was like, "Wow, Louis, Louis I was I was surprised you didn't." <laughs> Why? <would I? laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, the rest of the top, the rest of the podium. So, Louis, your two and three, please. Um, I'm gonna go. <sighs> I don't. I don't know. Um, Actually, I do because it's going to be Lewis Hamilton second, um, and then I'm going to back my boy Lando Norris to to finish off the podium. You really shocked me there, Louis. Yeah, in uh, Lando <laughs> Norris in your podium. Tom, you're uh, number two and three, please. Uh, so if Hamilton does finish first, which I'm still not 100 percent sure of, um, I think Max will be practically able to sniff his gearbox. He'll be so close behind, um, and then third place. I'm John. I'm gonna go. I, I, Danny Rick. He's he's since the summer break. He's been a lot better. Interesting. If that rain does come, I think that could certainly play a part in that actually happening. Oh, I hope so. Yeah, it would be nice. Uh, Jack, we've already got your um, very bold Sergio Perez uh, on the top step. What are you expecting for two and three? Well, we've already discussed that Red Bull have the, are going to need the momentum and we reckon it'll favour them. So I will go Max second and Lewis third. It's hard, to, it's hard to argue with him not being on the podium, let's be honest. Even I can't fight that. So yeah, um, Sergio, Max, Lewis. See, what you're saying there is that Red Bull won't see Perez in front of Max Verstappen and think, we should do the switcheroo. Yeah. I reckon there might be something that happens that like makes it implausible like team orders uh, I think it'd be more like Lewis like right on the back of Max and if they were to yeah. swap it would probably then jeopardise Perez's position as well yeah. it'd yeah, be like Ferrari's starts... at Russia you know when um... yeah doesn't let him give get the gap if Hamilton's already all over him holding second is better than dropping to third so yeah yeah, that is a very good point. And to be fair, they didn't actually do team orders to swap the cars around last race weekend either, which, you know, s- surprised me. But, you know, it's just a strategy, isn't it? 
Uh, I'm going to go with similar to everyone else with, uh, you know, Max following Lewis. And I am absolutely not putting Valtteri Bottas on the podium. I'm going to say it's going to be um, Charles Leclerc to bounce back from last weekend's P15 and to make up from last year's missed podium opportunity at the last stage. So we need a bold prediction from everyone other than Jack because he's already given us one, unless he fancies giving us another. But Louis, your bold prediction for this weekend, please. Um, I think my bold prediction is that Mercedes don't ruin Bottas' weekend and just leave him to do the normal stuff that he should normally be doing on a race weekend rather than put him at the back of the grid all the time. <laughs> Never mind bold, that's but just not going to happen. <laughs> just, just leave him alone. Please, I beg you, Mercedes, just leave him alone. <laughs> I wonder if he'll be the second finished driver on the grid to say, just leave me alone, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> just... <laughs> yeah. Tom, your bold prediction, please. Uh, I'm going to go really out there, just because if it did happen, it would be hilarious. Mazepin into Q2 and out-qualify Schumacher. Well, your uh, bold prediction of Sonoda making out of Q1 came true last time out. Now you've doomed us all. I know. Done. I, I'm <laughs> so sorry. Oh, man. Jack, are you good with Perez being P1, your bold prediction? I'm not tempting fate any more than I already have, thanks. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm going to go with a bold prediction of um, fastest lap from outside the top 10. Because um, if you... Perez is hanging around in the lower parts of you know the top ten, and Hamilton's got the fastest lap, Red Bull need to take it off him, even if it is you know just going to no one. It's better than it going to Lewis from their perspective. Uh, yeah, so that is the show. So I need to give an opportunity to promote your guy, you, uh, an opportunity for you guys to promote yourself. So Louis, uh, you know, give us a bit of a pitch about yourself. And the things that you write for, etc. Um, well, I do the majority of my writing on um, SportlightPro.com, um, by the fabulous George Halson. Um, and I will actually be doing session reports for this weekend's Grand Prix. Um, so, yeah, look out for them. <laughs> yeah, do keep an eye out for them. And also, a happy birthday, George, we should mention as well. Yes. Um, and Mikhail, both. Uh, you know, involved in F1 Grid Talk. Tom, the Everything F1 podcast. Give us a spin. Yeah, so Everything F1, we talk about, unsurprisingly, everything to do with F1 um, and other motorsports as well. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook with at JoinEF1. Uh, our Facebook page is the Everything F1 Paddock. We have our uh, our podcast, the Everything F1 podcast, where we have some brilliant guests on. Um, we have a website, everythingf1.com, which I'm going to be doing a facelift sooner or later. And also we have a YouTube channel, which we have recently started growing. Nice. Definitely go and check that out. And Jack, would you like to promote yourself as well whilst you're on air? Yeah, uh, I also do a bit of writing via Sportlight, much like Louis. Um You'll normally find me doing things on historical uh, slash technical pieces. Um, I've been a bit quiet recently thanks to moving house, but I'm aiming to get uh, get back on track with finishing off my 
most uh, most uh, like mo influencing pieces of technical change. I can't, can't get this out at the minute, can I? The biggest tech changes that have come to Formula One across the years. So I've done engines, uh, aero, that sort of thing. Uh, I plan to finish it up with chassis and then some of the weird stuff that may or may not have worked, but it got a racing. So yeah, be sure to keep an eye on for that. Yeah, I'll certainly be keeping an eye out for that. You know, maybe you could cover like things like the F ducts leading to DRS and all of that. But you know, I'm not the technical expert. That's why we've got you. Uh, and if people want to follow me on any of the platforms, you know, it's at Rubes R U U B E Z. I am on YouTube as well, just making vlogs when I get around to it, and just other little short fun videos and stuff. So, yeah. Uh, Grid Talk is available on Amazon as well as YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, Omni Studio, and Pocket Casts. Just search F1 Grid Talk. There is a huge back catalogue of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and the race results. Uh, we are on Reddit. Search for the subreddit F1 Grid Talk. And we also have a Patreon for mics, lights, and better, rec better recording equipment. You can get your hands on some official Grid Talk merchandise on uh, f1chronicle.com forward slash store. And don't forget about our two competitions. Subscribe to the channel on YouTube and leave a comment on the replay and um, leave a review on iTunes. Get, in, get some uh, merch for free, potentially, like um, our two, our three uh, competition winners. So make sure you subscribe to so the first to know when each episode is released. We'll be back at the weekend to review the results from the Turkish Grand Prix. Thank you very much for joining me, guys. No worries. Turn. Yep, and uh, stick around on YouTube and uh, yeah, goodbye. <laughs>